Hello, and welcome to episode 134 of the Book Wars pod. I'm I'm Chris. I feel like every episode is an air horn because it's like, yep, it is. We, we got our shit together. We made it through one more. Also, it's fun to troll you. I mean, that's, yeah, that, as always. Or oh my God, he made it. <laughs> exactly. Uh... I am Chris. I am here, as always, with Rana, Miranda, and our producer extraordinaire, Kristen. And we are reading more of Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. Uh, we're reading chapters 17 through to the end. It's an exciting time. I feel like we said we were going to finish Shadowfall like six months ago, and now we're here. Listen, the real Shadowfall is the friends we made along the way <laughs> sometimes i wish i was still on this podcast so i could fucking tell you i hate you <laughs> <laughs> i mean clearly you still can so yeah you i was gonna say when ability. has that ever stopped you Kristen? <laughs> Kristen, there are so many alternative forms of communication you can use for that message yeah i think it's only been five months though that's fair you know so, what so like four to five yeah Not quite you know what six. that's on me that's on me you're so right um, what is everyone drinking today? Let's start with Kristen. Let's let's switch it up. He just wants her to turn off her camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking. Wait, can you guys hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. Cool. I'm drinking a Killers. <laughs> Cold as the Rockies. The mountains are so blue right are now. Are they blue? They are blue. The mountains are blue. That um, that Coors is approximately seventy degrees right now because that's, yep. that's how cold it is in Colorado right now. Good the, one. The cores, um, the mountains are blue, just like her favorite boys. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, we love Coors Brewing Company. Um, I also really like their uh, shout out to their recycling sign, which is a little mountain, by the way, instead of just a little triangle. <laughs> if I don't know why I like that. that. I know it's still capitalism, but I like it. It's adorable. I know. Capitalism has found the secret to distracting us, and it is cute icons. It's true. Cute, minorly (laughs) changed icons. Yep. And dogs. And dogs. Yeah. Well, dogs kind of are those cute icons, I think. It's so true. I'm realizing Um, I've still never been to the Coors fucking, like, (gasps) I haven't either. I've seen it from a hike, and that was about it. You should go. It's fun. I mean, I know I should go, but there's been a a little pandemic happening, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? That's a great point. I almost forgot dead ass almost forgot um because like i've been like i think twice to the course brewing hopefully know, not and you, during and you have pandemic. never lived here i have never lived no not during the pandemic i have not been out of this that is not true i have been out of the state but in a car Don't i have not been yourself. on an airplane i should say you um, could drive to colorado i, I know I, I mean you can drive most places not. if please, you're committed please wait till vaccinated <laughs> it's psa <laughs> PSA, please wait till vaccinated is a great a great thing to say. <laughs> this kind of feels like a terrible PSA they would show you for some like public I'm gonna, health class. Sorry. Uh, gonna, uh, no, it's good. I'm going to throw it over to our PSA um, connoisseur, Rana, 
who is late always, ass Rana because she was two minutes late, which is hilarious oh considering this podcast. I also delayed us by an entire hour. So you didn't at least Stop. 15 minutes. And then I was still like eating my, I had, it I was, say, it was I had a, a delicious sandwich for dinner. It was worth it. It was like open faced homemade bread. I don't I know this is not a food Aww. podcast, but homemade bread with like, uh, like brie that was runny, you know, like I put it in the oven. So it was what runny. And then I put like caramelized onions and salt and a little bit of honey and an apple. And it was totally worth Holy being like. Holy shit. Sounds amazing. Yes. It's delicious. I, oh, I'm really man. glad. One day post COVID, I will feed you all. Um, but that day is not this day. So instead, I'll answer the question. <laughs> and that is, I actually had to put the bottle near me, not so I could keep refilling, but so that I could see what the fuck I was drinking. Um, I got a Sauvignon Blanc by Satellite. It's from New Zealand, but it's cheap. And um, coincidentally, I just got it because it was getting warm out and I thought it sounded like a nice thing, but I didn't read the fact that it says that it is um, like supposedly has the flavors of spring, which it didn't say on the description, but then I looked it up later when I brought it home. So it's delicious and um, there's not that much more to say. Oh, and I also have water, tap water. So how adventurous. I should have gotten some water. Oh, well. It's never too late. I can go to Chris instead of you so you can get up and go get something. No, want. it's not worth it. Okay. Well, then, Bird, <laughs> I go to you. Okay. So, first of all, um, Oregon has had some really good, like, PSA kind of things. Like, every once in a while, I watch regular TV, and it's, I forget what it was, but it was so pure. It was like, thanks for staying at home. It's like, oh, my God. But... I am drinking a whiskey sour that I made in time to almost record at the originally scheduled time, plus one delay. Um, but it's it's not my best. I, I accidentally um, did a little too much simple syrup, but it's you know one of the the local whiskeys we love. Another from our friends at Burnside, so. Alcohol. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love it. I am drinking uh, a beer from a Boulder local brewery, Avery Brewing Company. It's the Imperial Stoutwork Orange. It is a part of their barrel-aged series. It's a stout aged in bourbon and whiskey barrels with orange peel, cacao nibs, and cardamom. It is very good. It is a punch in the face of alcohol. It is uh, 15.7 ABV. Ooh. So he's a, he's a big boy. He's a chunky boy. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was, I, was, I was there Saturday after taking the dog for a walk with, with just some real losers. We don't need to mention it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I was there with Ron. <laughs> don't you dare insult my fucking dog. You could insult me no, all day. Okay, my dog Argos is, is not perfect. a loser. How dare Argos you? Argos is perfect. Um, so I was, we, we were there after taking the dogs for a walk and I was, and it was like reasonably hot. It was probably like 75 out, uh, but like sunny and like Colorado's like direct sun. So it like felt probably a little hotter. And I was like, oh, this sounds really good on the menu, but like, I don't want to stout right now because like, it's going to like, just like make me fall over. And boy, (laughs) was I right. Because if I had had this (laughs) standing in the sun, 75 degree weather, I would not have made it home. <laughs> Orca it would have pulled you. A lot. Orca would have taken my keys, it's true. Yeah, Orca's going to be like an ant and can, you know, carry 
however yeah, many hundred times, times his <laughs> own body weight. Well, you could well, strap him and Argos together, and together, I don't know what they would do, but, but they would roll you funny. somewhere. Yeah. Argos could drag you, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, Argos has a lot of those, like, pulling dogs. He's a strong puller. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, oh, for any listeners, he does not own his own team of dog sledding dogs or something. He just has his breeds, <laughs> and I'm weird. So here we go. That's where we are. <laughs> now, I kind of want to see Argos, like, pulling a sled next to I actually, I really happen. want to do that. He loves to slide down hills, as we've talked about, and, um,. My mom wants me to get him a sled, and I was like, I would much rather get him a sled and like have him carry his own water for winter hikes or something, because he, ha- he just pulls really hard, and it's like, you could pull me down the mountain, I'd rather you not, so why don't you pull your own supplies? That'd be if useful. I, if I could draw, I want to draw that. Please do. I, I if anyone wants draw. to draw it, I will, I will commission you to draw Argos uh, pulling whatever you want. I don't care. I'll pay for it. I don't have a lot of money. I work in nonprofit, but I'll still pay you for your time. <laughs> Burb will put it on the Instagram. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it can just be a stick figure. It's, it's going to be a little scribble. It could be a little stick figure as long as it has little triangle ears. We're good. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to do it without triangle ears. I'm not a monster. <laughs> She's a oh, shitty God. artist, not an idiot. <laughs> I knew the real reason I came on. The, yeah, that's true. I knew the real reason I came on this pod was to get more people to appreciate Argos. And if you're not appreciating Argos, don't fucking listen to me. No, I'm just kidding. I mean. <laughs> I'm just joking. If you, yeah, I'm just saying, if you haven't voted for Argos at least twice, you have one more chance. One more chance. In in the Camp Bow Wow, Westminster, Colorado, uh, March Madness bracket, Argos is one win away from the championship. One win away. All right, so we all know what we're drinking. Clearly, as shown by the length of the edit that Kristen just had to make. <laughs> Uh, at least I have been hit by this 15.7 pretty quickly. Um, but let's dive in before we do, uh, as we have been doing, we are highlighting several different, uh, nonprofit organizations that work for racial and social justice causes throughout the course of reading Shadowfall. Uh, and of course, as a reminder for this book, we are highlighting advanced native political leadership and... API Equality Northern California, in addition to a host of other uh, groups that are uh, working to combat uh, hate against Asian, the Asian American community. Uh, so definitely check out our episode description for more information on those. And now let's talk about chapter 17 through the end of Shadowfall and that fucking weird ass Sith Temple. Do it. So, I'm not really sure I understood entirely what was going on, but that was some weird force shit. Like, what happened there? For those of us who maybe were just like, I'm reading this book, and sometimes are bad at reading comprehension on a book podcast. I mean, I will, I will say... I don't think we were f- supposed to fully understand it. Yeah. Okay, great. I feel much better then. Because <laughs> it, like, it, was, it was fucking weird. I really hope that it's something we'll find out more about in the next book. You know, we got a little bit of the like the old Jedi temple in the last one, which was like wholesome. Oh. And then in this time, it's like, oh, we could sit temple. Hopefully we get some sort of explanation because 
I don't know. It felt a little bit like they just needed a plot line to keep Erica like elsewhere while shit was going down. And I know that can't be the case. I'm sure it will get like, you know, elaborated upon in the next one. But a little bit of me was like, the fuck? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? <laughs> then, yeah, it'll pro- that's my hope is that no, no disrespect. Maybe that just is me being a cynic. But I do hope that it gets further information in the next book. I'd like to see it other places, too. Like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see it in other books. Or what yeah. is this? I don't yeah. know, but I like it. Yeah. I mean, it it felt like, and just like so, to look at this kind of in the context of the universe as we know it, it's it's not completely out of place for Operation Cinder. Um, like we've seen in um, Star Wars Battlefront Two. Dell was sent to destroy one of the Emperor's laboratories, observatories. I don't remember what the terminology for it was. But he was sent to destroy that destroy that fucking like storage shed where Luke got the compass. Um blank expression from Miranda. So that's How is this related to Operation Cinder? Because well, they were the- her her Erica and Ito were theorizing that like that since the asteroid is fucking like has been knocked out of orbit and is going to hit the black hole soon that it was that was done as part of operation center potentially oh. cool. i was wondering like uh, can someone remind me do we know where the weird little emperor droid came from because i'm wondering if it has a connection to all this since there were like multiple ships since there was at least one ship that she could take and like i don't know or maybe space is is infinite, so maybe it was on. Maybe there's um, nothing. But Keys's original ship, the yeah. um, American Eagle. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Um, yeah, I don't think we know where it came from before that from any of the media. Um, we we just know that those droids went out to several highly placed motherfuckers throughout the galaxy. Yeah, it seemed like it just kind of appeared. Yeah. Um, just waiting. Yeah, but I really love when um, he's, like, just sitting <laughs> around and, like, you know, everyone's trying to sh- salvage shit and, like, somebody just kind of comes down, you know, like a ramp and then, like, the broken-ass emperor droid comes down afterwards. <laughs> It was very funny. He was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, just like, why, why, why will is, you not die? Why is it still alive? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Even yeah, with a strange collection of like things people are sacrificing to it. It's like the turtle. Well, it kind of like, sorry, I know we're going to talk about this later. I didn't mean to cut you off, Chris. But like, also, I'm not going to ask what Miranda's talking about with turtles. Um, <laughs> but when Soren, like, or Keys, whatever the hell his name is, like, hits punches it in the face in the screen it doesn't have a face um when it he punches it in the face <laughs> i can't stop i'm sorry when he punches it in the screen um and he's like bleeding i kind of felt like even though it cracked the screen i was like did he just make like a little blood sacrifice to it like without <laughs> meaning to like did you just accidentally curse yourself i don't know i know it's not that type of story but yeah there we go probably did i mean it's also- not not that kind of story because like y'all like y'all, like you were saying like there was that like weird like macabre offering circle and fucking like one of the I think it was like Candend Candend Candende I don't know how we're pronouncing that but 
dude's name who starts with a K, like, did a fucking, like, blood sacrifice and, like, cut his hand and shit, like, like a yeah. fucking weirdo. He just really likes Palpatine. Nobody should like I hate him when he does that. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so, like, and, like, the other thing we know about the droids is that we know that from the Aftermath trilogy that, like, Palpatine did have a contingency. Like, like, what is happening now with Operation Cinder was intended to happen in the event of his death. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not like it's just an accident and people are, like, acting up or it was, like, pre-planned even if he'd still been alive. Like, it's... It is very intentional on the part of the Empire what's happening. And so I do think that that's a good question of, like, why is all this shit being destroyed? Like, because we know... Again, we know about the one on Pilio from Battlefront 2. We now suspect that this one in the Cerberon system was here for some reason and has now been targeted for destruction. Okay, yeah, I was about to ask, so, like, if that's on this asteroid, then if it was on purpose to knock it out of orbit, um, why is it being destroyed? Like, what secrets are in that hair, you know? I think that's that's exactly the question. And, like, it was... And, like, we'll, we'll probably never know, because the whole black hole thing but well yeah it's gonna be like that but yeah i don't know i want to see what happens to it i don't know if we'll get to see what happens to that one exactly because like you know the asteroid's about to go into the black hole but who knows who's to say i'm really just curious about how one pronounces that word that I just used because I feel like that's one of those words that I like know from reading and have never necessarily heard it pronounced. Just macabre. Oh, it's a silent R E. Learn something new every day. Eh, Sorry, we're all roasting Chris in the comments. That's the loud (laughs) typing. I didn't realize. F's in the chat for Chris. Yeah, that was me awkwardly talking through y'all figuring that shit out. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and then obviously the other thing about the Sith Temple was, like, how the fuck does it work? And, like, other than driving people fucking crazy. It's dark, dark force shit, man. I don't know, I feel like, I imagine he designed it himself. But, like, even if he didn't, Palpatine would be so happy that it has those effects. He's like, ah, ha, ha, torture. Yes, let's go. Who needs a torture droid when you have this weird obelisk, or collection of obelisks is how I kind of, like, stone, like, kind of triangulating up against each other with, you know, all of that. That was a sentence. (laughs) I got where you're coming from. Thank you. It is like a very striking mental image of the temple and the red sand and like not real daylight because of the black hole. Like there the was sand red sand, red. right? Did I make that up? I thought it was yeah, red no, sand. it is. Okay, oh, I was like, maybe, maybe I made that shit up. But it's very striking, like classic, like fantasy sci-fi image that I can imagine, you know, on a poster or something. Like just very well written in a way that you can just completely imagine the like, you know, 
grueling nature of being in the desert after all that maybe it's not desert but being in the sandy place after all this time and also everything is shaking and the dunes are changing around you and it's all red and black just like all the sith shit like it's yeah <laughs> straight out of the last jedi yeah i'm mm-hmm. with you know sorry i'm sorry like, I'm so i don't basic, have an- but i'm cool with it I'm sorry, I don't have an I hate sand drop. That's my fault. Oh, that, that, we got to add that. That is your fault, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it is like, it's super creepy. And like, it feels like, because like she and Ito had trouble activating it. And then she like finally, it wasn't super clear how she activated it. But it felt like when she like stopped fighting, that when it was trying to like, drive her crazy and show her evil things like it, it felt like it was like a like responded and also knowing what we know about palpatine and his mental state like it felt like it was like when you like embrace like fear and anger that's when it responded and that's just like yeah. i don't i don't really have a i'm not really going anywhere with this but like it was just it was just like really interesting world building to me that that is a thing i'm glad for erica's glad for erica's um my brain's not working but for um her whatever case i don't know if there's word there anyways she had the option i love her she's like should i pulverize my own kneecaps like will that get me in there and then <laughs> maybe i should just go through like basic internal therapy and like self-reflection and i'm glad for her sake that's what i was looking for for her sake that um <laughs> sorry i'm glad for her sake that she uh you know chose the the mental anguish as opposed to being crippled in the desert with nowhere to go i feel like she would have on that to our knees and it still wouldn't have worked exactly and then she'd have to do the same thing but without functioning knees because she just yeah just crawling then we'd get another 200 pages of her talking about how she knows how to handle a broken bone and now her ship hurts yeah i don't need that again i'm doing the best i did <laughs> that is never what erica thinks to be fair erica <laughs> never thinks she's doing the best at this oh no i'm sorry that was so funny i had to mute that was hysterical <laughs> Um, and then Kristen question, how many Palpy clones is he trying to hide? I mean, yet that is, that is the question though. Like how much of this is stuff that he was actively working on? How much of it is just like, should he put in a warehouse for later? And what was the purpose of all of it? And that's, that I think is stuff that we still don't know the full story of Palpatine's master plan, so to speak. I'm just picturing like... A unit at a self-storage place just full of Palpatines. <laughs> and now I'm seeing it too, and it's it's pretty great. You don't want to get... What is that storage wars where they like bid? I've never seen this, but I've heard oh, about right. the show. Oh, yeah. Like, don't they like bid they, on it and then open yeah, it? Yeah. I'm just imagining someone opening it. And they're like, what the fuck do I do with this? Pay $20 for what? this? <laughs> this wow. is Still makes more sense than the Rise of Skywalker. So. <laughs> Hey. Sorry, if you like that movie, that's okay. Like what you like. Like what you like. We just, we don't agree. We hate that movie. <laughs> it's okay. I love Attack of the Clowns. We all have our vices. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely watched Revenge of the Sith this weekend, and it was delightful. I thought about it. I'm thinking about doing a marathon and rewatching them, like, uh, maybe Memorial Day weekend. I don't know. I might do it good call always a good call sorry that that has nothing to do with the podcast (laughs) it's star wars it's got more to do with the podcast than a lot of what we talk about yeah right 
Is Sunday better though? This I feel like it's just like this is why we can't record. Full stop. I don't even remember if he answered the question. I'm sorry. What, how what, about, the about his yeah about the storage locker full of clothes? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's a one of those hashtag unanswerable questions. It's one of those those great mysteries of life. So speaking of Erica, well, she's not at the fucking Sith Temple, not pulverizing her kneecaps. She's got some shit. She sure does. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it me? Would you okay. like to talk about her shit? <laughs> I'll go. I can look at like a lot of the stuff that goes on in these chapters, but it's like big walking through the desert energy, which we all know I fucking hate. Every goddamn book. Someone's walking through the desert. I like that stuff. Congrats. Just so you know. <laughs> Go read the know Aftermath trilogy. It. Go read Phasma. Um, no. Go read Phasma. Don't go read Phasma. Don't Trust go me. read Phasma. You know, this whole time since Aiden like disappeared for a week and was like, I'm just gonna be sending out this automatic email, like an out of office. Hey, did you know that Erica did a genocide? And so she's like, okay, so everybody knows I'm a mass murderer, but I still got to go get this guy because, like, he's kind of the only friend I have. That turns out to be a disaster. But, and I think I mentioned this on the last episode, I was, like, really interested in seeing why she goes back to the Empire. And her reason... Did your cat just die? Like, not literally die, but did he just like break something? No, I just she hit the, the, the button. <laughs> um, it's logical. It's rational. Like I understand why. It's not good, but it's it's very like cool motivation. Still murder. Like this is a. It's it's not a bad reason. It's just, like, the outcome is terrible. Like, you're going back to the war criminals when you've been fighting alongside, you know, the quote-unquote good guys. Like, I mean, for her, yeah, that's probably the better option. Like, what is she going to do if she goes back to the New Republic? Like, she's going to go on trial. She's fucking guilty, and everybody knows it. Because she's, like, never denied anything. Like, there's no good option she could run away, but why would anyone do anything that makes sense? So she just, like, rolls back up. Like, ooh, I like following rules, kind of. I kind of presumed that she was coming back, like, to take things down on the inside in her own head. But also, I don't think she can because she always has to follow rules. But I, got, I didn't get the impression that she was, like, defecting her defection. But rather that she was like, I don't know what to do and I'm going to figure this shit out. But I don't know, like, I don't know, I guess that, maybe I was wrong, maybe I've just seen too many movies, like, yeah, maybe she is just going back to follow rules. I will say, Rana, the first time I read it, I very much had your takeaway, Huh. Um, but I also know that a lot of people had Miranda's takeaway, and so, like, it is, it, it, that's, which is kind of the beauty of it, right? Like, you see what you want to out of her character, like, if you want to believe the best in Erica, then you hope that she is oh. not a traitor. <laughs> I- I don't believe the best in Erica, but I also feel like I don't see 
like I, I had hoped there was mild character development enough for her to be like don't know I, like I don't think she's like you know fully thought anything through I think she just yeah but anyways I'll find out go ahead Miranda I, I think that if I would I would be inclined to believe that more and believe that she was trying to do a good thing if she had kind of come clean about Operation Cinder. Um, you know, when everyone found out, it was, like, real kind of sketchy. And, you know, she could have told them at any time what she did, but she was still kind of defensive about it. And it's like she's not ready to fully embrace, like, the consequences of being a former imperial in the New Republic. Absolutely. So it's like, this is a shit sandwich. I'm just going to go back to the one that doesn't want to kill me right now in a way that, like, murder. Like, they want, You know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to regret this. No, and I think it's... Probably. I think there's a couple aspects of it that are, like that also like contribute to it and we don't quite know how yet and like one of those to me at least was the tower like when i read it i was like this tower like very clearly wanted her to embrace the dark the darker aspects of her nature and like really feel the pain of of everything she'd done and so is that is it like influencing her to go back is it influencing her to did she kind of have the opposite reaction and wants to make amends but like she did, as you were as you were saying, Miranda, like kind of have that moment of clarity where, at least in her eyes, she can't go back. Like, because there's just nothing for her. Yeah, and, you know, there's a question, too, of, like, we, it, it's still in that squishy part of the war between, di- between it ending at Endor and, like, really ending at Jakku. But, like, one side has an actual kind of hierarchy and the other side is just a bunch of rogue generals flying around and hoping for the best and it's interesting that instead of you know running away and like picking between the two she goes to what i mean we know is the losing side and like i mean i wonder how much she's thinking about that because like if you go to the Imperials and you still lose the war, you're still going to have these fucking consequences, maybe. I don't know. It's it's back to that, like, owning up to your yeah. actions. But who needs, um... What's the fucking word? Accountability. That one. Thank you. No problem. I couldn't remember the word sake earlier, so I think accountability <laughs> is more reasonable. More syllables, harder to remember. Exactly. But yeah, and I think the other question of like what impact does this have on her decision is Keys. And the fact that she knows through her like recognizing his flying, which is like that happens in Star Wars more than you would think. It happens like five times in this book. Yeah, just like recognizing <laughs> yeah. someone's flying. Like I mean But like she knows he's alive now. Yeah, and that is something that makes sense. Like if you spend a lot of time with somebody especially in some, like, activity. Like, you know how they move yeah. and operate. It's like how you can see someone, like, walking, and you haven't seen them in 10 years, and you see them walking through the parking, and you're like, oh, my God, that's so-and-so. Like, yeah. like I yeah. once was walking up to, like, 
a park and my friends were like, oh, those are Miranda's legs. And I was like wearing a dress. So I don't know why anyone would have recognized me. Um, but they were like, ah, oh, yes, here she comes. Um, but that's it too. I mean, we get the impression in this book and the last keys is obviously a major, major influence on her. Like she likes and respects him more than anyone else. Full stop. Like, I think she has a lot of respect for Hera. Um, but she's not really sure how to deal with that. Okay. But, uh, but like, she spent a lot more time with Keys. You know, it's, it's very much that working relationship. And, like, if you're going to keep working in this, it's still kind of a war because it's still happening. Do you want the familiarity or do you want to go back to the people who now hate you? I think we even see her wrestle with that at the very end where she says like Hera was her second mentor and then she says she doesn't know if she still respects Keys or she says something like that and it almost seemed more like she was trying to convince herself that she hadn't made up her mind. Um, Maybe I'm reading too much into that but I'm going to keep talking while Miranda and Kristen explain to each other in the chat about their friends. Chris, do you have anything to add about Yeah, no, just just for leadership? people's context, we're very curious about this Miranda story and why they couldn't just recognize her by looking at, well, you know, her face. It was it was like yeah. from far away. Yeah, but uh, why are you like it wasn't that much more distinctive from far away than your face? I mean, it's just a head from far away. Yeah, but they're just legs. <laughs> but they have a distinctive look. They saw her legs flying, okay? <laughs> I'm picturing like the Toy Story toy. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. Amazing. Um, But yeah, no, totally. I mean, and I mean, I think the thing about Erica is she's been like developed. I just, I'm like vamping into the mic and making really unattractive mouth sounds. But like, I feel like she is still. So what's the word I'm looking for? Impressionable and like hasn't really decided who she wants to be, at least, mm-hmm. you know, until now. Clear, she seems to have more clarity now when she left in the Sith ship and when, you know, she went back to Keys, whether yeah, that is for, for good or ill. Like I she does seem to have more clarity, but like rem- thinking back to the beginning of this book. She was still like having flashbacks to when she was an imperial and feeling guilty about that, and then feeling guilty about the fact that she was feeling guilty, and it was a whole thing. Yeah, like she should feel guilty about what she did as an imperial. Like following orders, genocide. You murdered a planet. Um, but I mean, and I think one thing here too that we don't really look at a ton because it kind of depends on which characters and which stories you're talking about everyone's really young like 100 percent. erica's a, a child you know she's probably what early 20s at this point yes yeah i would i don't like the mm sound about young people let's let's not <laughs> sorry yoda's a creep Correct. Um, 
but you know, it's, it's like being in that kind of early twenties mindset of like finding your way in the universe and also like being thrust into a war kind of on purpose because she was going to do what a lot of people do and you join the Imperials to defect. But then, um, you know, like she doesn't defect, she sticks around. So then what does that really mean for her as like her, with regard to her intentions, which obviously, guess- you know, we see she goes back to the empire, but you get it. I guess part of why I thought that like, and again, I, I definitely don't think that's necessarily accurate, but part of why I thought like, or hoped that she had some other sort of intention was because she had just wrestled with everything in the Sith temple. And because she had like really rejected remembering everything that had happened. And it's like, if you go back after that, not that there was any time where she should have stayed, like every choice she's made so far has not given me any sort of confidence in her decision-making skills. But, um, sorry, that sounds like a really mean performance evaluation, but, um, it's it's fine. (laughs) I also, yes, I, uh, I just feel like if she is genuinely going back because she's like, well, I know how to follow orders and I don't want to be put on trial. Then that to me shows like genuinely embracing the message as a, because you've already like lived through all of it. And now you've done your self reflection. It's like you go to therapy and you talk about all your problems and then you're like, I'm going to make, instead of slipping into old habits, I'm going to make a conscious decision to slip into old habits, do this to intentionally (laughs) remember what it was I used to do and do it again. Except in this case, old habits are genocide, which like, Brings it up a level. Yeah. I don't see... Yeah, it's it's more than a hobby, for sure. (laughs) My thing with her is, like, she's great at following rules. And that's, like, that structure is great for her. Because I feel like, otherwise, she's a little reckless. Like, we, that's what we see with her in the New Republic. You know, there's not nearly as much structure. She doesn't have, like, a a daily regimen that, like... You wake up and you put your suit on and you go do this. She just needs a good skincare routine. Exactly. But, you know, it's like in the New Republic, you got to go find the skincare products on your own. I don't know how this works. Got to make them out of little porgs. It's a hard thing. Sure. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to (laughs) mute. But like, oh, God, I forgot where my point was going. She's reckless, but she likes You said she needs a system and she's like out of routine. Yeah. And it's like, it goes back to that, this is what I know. And also, like, her decision seems kind of reckless, but it makes sense. I don't know. There's a point there. No, I feel that. Like, it's, she's always been that person who, like, is in the military, at least partially, because it is structure, where they didn't have structure in their lives. And we know that, Mm -hmm. we don't know a ton about her childhood, but... You know, she's mentioned that she grew up on a space station and it was kind of hectic. Like, it's, I think it does, like, it is possible that she was going back because she didn't have that same sense of structure in the New Republic. Because as we've talked about in previous episodes, the New Republic doesn't have any structure. It's still trying to figure it out as they go. Like, in giving her leadership, she was already, in her mind, out of her element. Yeah. And so, like... She's she's very much a good soldiers follow orders kind of pilot in her, again in her mind. And yeah. so it is 
that is that is kind of the question is she is she her or has she turned over a new leaf and been like i can be better i mean i think that's part of it too like she she's a very you know i follow orders and then they give they're like hey you're gonna give the orders now we didn't ask you first good luck there's no training you're just gonna go out there now deal you have to deal with all the chaos at the top you know run your little squadron and you know we're doomed make it through yeah and and also like looking back to the first book she didn't do well at the start of that either like the first few decisions she made like that practice she almost got will killed on a practice mission uh she then got that entire shuttle worth of stormtroopers uh stormtrooper prisoners of war killed on their first mission planet side and then they almost killed pandem nigh so like and so like it is it's not unreasonable for her to question her leadership abilities and her decision making skills like based on her track record and so like the question is how confident is she almost like is she confident is she going back because she's confident that she can bring them down or is she going back because she's not confident that she can live without them i feel like he's is like a security blanket you know if she's not been doing well here she knows he's a good leader she trusts him she knows him well enough to see him make a maneuver in a tie fighter he doesn't even fly anymore he's like in charge of everything and she's like ah yes that is Mr. Keys. Yeah, absolutely. I, I forgot where that sentence was going, but, you know. Yeah. Can we talk about the sad death of Ido? Poor Ido. We have it in our outline. I'm not trying to change the subject. I just don't want us to forget about little Ido. <laughs> no, let's talk, let's talk about it. I just felt like that was the saddest part to me of this and alphabet squadron like the rest of that didn't really make me sad and i was like you don't know as like ito whatever as ito is like slowly glitching and glitching and then like saying things that don't make sense i don't know it seemed so tragic i didn't give a fuck about aiden dying i was like good whatever Uh, but then when ito died ito i was like oh my god imagine you have to kill like that should have been enough emotional turmoil to open the temple like having to destroy yeah that just to me seems rough. Was, I don't know. It's a sad I, moment. It is a sad moment, but also at the end there, like with all the glitching, he was kind of getting like reset to factory yeah. settings. As he was trying to like stab her to make her elicit <laughs> more pain. Yeah. Sorry, that's not how words work. But, you know what I'm but like he was still kind of trying to guide her, but was like doing yeah. it in a way that's like, I know this is torture for you. That is my primary function. Yeah. Well, oh no, I get that, but to me that made it sadder. Like, oh, it does. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oof. It was almost like in a zombie yeah, movie it's when very, someone like, gets it was... bitten. And you're like watching them turn. Sorry, go ahead. I don't know why I brought that up. No, 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 go. Sad. I interrupted you. No, you're good. I was just saying it was like in a zombie movie when someone gets like bitten and you're waiting for them to turn and you know you're going to have to kill them and you're like, we don't, you know, you don't want to kill them while they're still the person. It was like that type of situation. Yeah. No, I mean, it was... Like, we, like, saw Ito in a very real way losing his mind in real time. And, like, you know, the thing I love about Alexander Freed as an author is that, like, 
when I'm confused reading an Alexander Freed book, I generally know that it's because Alexander Freed intended me to be confused. Like, if I don't mm-hmm. understand fully what's happening with Ito, it's because, like, I'm not supposed to and I don't need to. And, and like, and, and Erica didn't as well. Like, I mean, obviously we knew the broad strokes of he was heavily damaged and kind of reverting back to the back to factory settings, like you said. But it was like they had, I feel like they had like an entire conversation where you couldn't pinpoint the moment where he switched back. But you knew yeah. that he was Ito at the beginning and Imperial Torture Droid IT O at the end. Yeah. And I mean, the thing with that too is like, it's not like Erika didn't know this droid, right? They spent a lot of time together. Like, the droid knows more about her than anyone. And then it just goes back, and she's got to punch it. I don't remember how she <laughs> attacked it, but it's graphic. It's, it's, it's she stabs stuff. it with D6's memory chip. Yeah, and it's like over the edge of a cliff or something, right? Jesus, that's dark. It's very yeah. Dramatic. It's like it's and like then, all sorts of fucked up. And then she has to like lie to Aiden, and it's like the rabid dog. You have to k- tell the kids that like it ran away, but really you had to kill it because it had rabies and it was coming for you. I don't know why these weird metaphors today, but yeah, it was just no. I'm totally with you because I was just gonna say like I feel like Ito is. It's like when the dog dies. It's like, you know, we expect humans, or since it's Star Wars, we expect sentient characters to die. Like, but when something that is not, you know, a humanoid creature that, like, you know, is fully sentient dies, it, like, it hits a different part of our brains, I guess. It's like when the do- it's like when you see a sad movie and everybody's like, oh, the saddest part was when the dog died. Not when the, you know, millions of people died, but when the dog died. Yeah, it's also L3. Also L3, big L3, L3 vibes. Yeah, for sure. After she fucking, like, oh, she, she saved all the droids on Kessel, and then she died, and then she became part of the ship. There, To me, there is also a sense of, kind of in contrast to L3, just a sense of futility with Aiden and Ito's deaths. Mm-hmm. Like, especially Aiden didn't accomplish anything. He was there by accident because he was too hurt to get off the shuttle and she didn't realize he was still there. Yeah. It did so definitely that, that give... also just makes it more painful, I think, in a way, because, you know, this is, these are characters, at least Ito, that we've come to care about. Aiden's awful and we all hate him. But <laughs> Ito we've come to care about and he didn't, you know, the proverbial, like he didn't need to go. Yeah. It reminded me of a lot of, like, post-apocalyptic literature of, like, literature, sorry word, but books, Um, you know, when, like, you know that everyone's going to not make it out, and you're, like, and, you know, they're just stuck there waiting and waiting, and it's so inevitable. It just gave me that sort of vibes, those sorts of vibes. Grammar. Vibes. Just vibes. No phones, just vibes. Vibes only here at Bookworth Pod. Oh, so sad. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to bring up poor little Edo. Yeah. R.I.P. Pour one out for Edo. Mm. All right, Burb, would you like to wrap up our section on Erica? Nope. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> Don't give me that look. You had thoughts. You, it, I did you have thoughts. You clearly had thoughts. There's, there's a, there, okay, just so people know, there's a... Un- 
unclaimed comment <laughs> in our outline. That we all know who yeah. it was. Couldn't couldn't figure out who wrote it, but under Erica it says, "Also taught me." I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> what? You know, this is the quietest burb has ever been on the podcast. Seems fine. Silence is deafening. Another happy landing. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. All right. So on to the other misfits. Let's Will and Nath do like a very... I don't even know. Like they both have very weird character development. Like not weird as in like badly yeah. written, but just like... Like, I could see it happening, but also it's just, like, weird if you look at how they started. It makes sense, but it's like, huh. That happened. And it, like, it, it does make sense. Like, you know, Will is the softest boy in the galaxy. He somehow does not die in this book. Um, but Still want to go. What does happen is he gets you know, thrust into leadership, you know, in, in this void. Be- Erica's gone. Erica's, like, out fucking with Aiden somewhere. They're, who knows what's happening? Chas is God knows where. Hera's out with Vanguard Squadron half a galaxy away. And it's like this, I mean, he, speaking of youth, like, he is a kid. He's, he's young. He misses home. And now he's like, well, shit. I have to plan this whole thing. Everyone's looking at me. I'm talking to these infantry people. And now I'm kind of in charge of, like, attacking the Empire? Saving the planet? It seems like a lot. Nodding both because I'm totally with you and also because your Merlin accent came out a little bit there and it was very enjoyable. <laughs> Great. Yeah, Sorry, Ron, go ahead. No, you're good. Um, I, I'm all here for regional accents. Let us just pray that I never get a Massachusetts one. Um, for all of our sakes. I really am using the word sake again today. I'm so glad. Um, anyways, so I was just going to say, I was really surprised at his, like, you know, I, it feels right in the moment for him to be making the sorts of decisions that he's making. That's why he was put into a leadership role. But then at the end, when Nath is, like, you know, getting his do recognition and also talking to will i found it fascinating that will says like he's not looking out for you and i was like kid when you were on Panam nye and he had left you to die and didn't tell you you were like nat's got my back and now he's actually like i would do anything to save will and will's like i don't trust him Seems and fake. I thought it was super sad that he uses his planet name in his last like sentence in the book, just like how in his first entry, he was like, I'd never call it that. Um, and I was just like, no, don't be that kid who forgets where you came from. No, not a, not a good sign for his life either. But I mean, I think Will is kind of like a foil to Erica in this way. Like he is the guy, like, I have confidence in Will. He's out there, he's making decisions that make sense and that are good decisions, but not tactically good decisions. And I think that's what Hera says. Like, no, this makes sense. Just, like, not at that time. Like, he, he's he got it in him to be a good leader, but this is his first time out. And it's just, like, you know, the stakes are very high, 
so every mistake you make kind of gets more amplified. Whereas Erica's in charge and she's like, ah, this should not happen. I'm going to make choices. Who's to say? But, um, I don't know. I like, I like that development for Will. I think he's going to die still. Yeah. It's for a lot. Sure. God, I didn't even notice that thing about him naming Polynius in the last sentence. Jesus, that just broke my heart again. Yeah, it it made me like, oh, oh, I I still want to give him a hug. Like, cook him a good homemade dinner and just be like, please go home now. I'll give you gas money. Just go. <laughs> just buy drive. A, buy him a space Uber. Yeah, I'll drive. Like, go back to the res, kid. You're good. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so sad. He, I feel like he's in this really interesting spot, though, because on the one hand, Miranda, I totally agree with you that, like, I, I trust Will's decision-making a lot more than I trust Erica's. But on the other hand, Will is out here making objectively poor decisions, oh, like, yeah. in terms of, like, strategically. And it's, like, yeah, it's, and- it's that weird disconnect between the two, because, like, he, like he, he's turned into a Quaker all of a sudden, and he's just absolutely convinced that nobody here wants to be fighting, despite every possible second (laughs) of evidence to the contrary yeah Yeah, it's interesting like he makes decisions i think for what he views to be like objectively right um with the objectively right like being defined as having the most people come out alive and unscathed yeah and that's obviously not strategic like for the rebellion at all yeah it's i mean it's like what everyone wants to do and Will is our soft boy. Like, of course he wants that. But he also doesn't want to be fighting anymore. So, like, I... Again, terrible decisions. Like, objectively, tactically, strategically, all of that. I don't think that. they're terrible. I think he, like... Some are worse I feel than like others. They're not great, <laughs> like, but yeah. I also feel like in the... Mo- Anyways, I don't know why I'm defending little soft no, boy. No, no, I... I don't. I'm, just, I'm like, someone has to. I think, I think you're right. Like, he's... It, it goes back to, you know, the inexperience of leadership for him, in my mind. Like, there's no test run. There's no briefing. You know, Hera's not up there before they fly around. Like, this is what you should do. And, like, here are, like, all the contingencies, things that might happen. Um, But it's just him. He doesn't want to fight. He hasn't been prepared for this. And it's just like, all right, kid. You're in charge. Make good decisions. And he tries. I feel like one thing that he has struggled with, particularly in that moment where he wanted to message them, he wanted to DM them, no, where he wanted to send that transmission. um, That, I think, to me, was very much emblematic of him struggling moving from soldier to leader. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you know, when he was in the Oridal Cluster in the first one or at Pandem Nye, and he just, like, reaches out... It's like, oh, that quirky Will talking to the enemy on an open channel again. Um, but when you're a leader, that has very different connotations. Like, that has connotations of surrender, of abandoning your troops and the civilian population. It's it's a whole thing. Treason. And so that, I think, is shows his yeah. struggle with that transition. I was really worried when it when he was like, there's only one person who I would need to talk to. And I was like, oh, my God, don't fucking reach out to Blink again. Like, you know, this is a bad idea. And then I was really relieved to say to see he was like reaching out to his elders. I was like, 
what? Oh, okay. It's like when your friend gets back with their shitty ex again. You're like, don't <laughs> let me see his name in your goddamn Instagram story. And then, no, it wasn't. Thankfully, there was no blink to be seen. I already let slip that I hated them the whole time. Come on. <laughs> I've only said it every time. It's cool. It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, it's it's interesting. And this is kind of just some foreshadowing for, for what we're going to see in the third book. But Will's... A lot of the third book, so the third book is called Victory's Price. And so a lot of the theme of the third book is... Sad. How do you win a war and what does it cost? And... Part of that is about the question of redemption and justice. And that applies to a lot of people in this story. It applies to Shadowfall. It applies to Erika. It applies to kind of the foot soldiers who did Cinder. All, you know, all the above. And Will's kind of insistence on trying to bring everybody together at all costs is kind of a very interesting one end of the spectrum that's going to be explored a lot more in the next book. Good. Give me more Will content. There's a lot of Will content in Victory's Price. I still feel like he's going to die, but I hope I'm wrong. Don't make a face. I'm not even going to look at Chris's little camera input. Will's a pacifist who is a military leader. Well, that is one of the heartbreaking things about his leadership is like 99% of the time you want someone to succeed and you want them to be recognized. And then with the will, I'm like, no, go home. We don't want to, we don't want this. Like you're getting further into the, you know, the layers of what you already couldn't break through. You know, I'm like, just go home. Just say no. Yeah. yeah the, the 1% of when you don't necessarily want to pass fist in charge is when the other side has shown uh, unrepentant desire for genocide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also just when when you just want Will to go back to the little home planet and fly on the little animal things. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nath seems like he's got a death wish. Like, yeah, we gotta yeah. talk about Nath. Because Nath has done a complete 180. It's a lot. Like, I feel like early on Nath would have been very... And like, even Pandem Nye Nath would have been very like, oh... There's a missile going and only I can stop it, but it'll probably kill me. Oh no, my engine just cut out. What could yeah. I do? Like, and he just, like, he makes the split second decision. He doesn't even need T5 to guilt him, which is usually what he needs. <laughs> and he just goes like, you know, very, if I die, I die. Yeah, like, when there there's one part where they're like, attacking Imperials or defending a part of the city from Imperials or whatever, he's like, um, if I send this little missile from my ship that doesn't fucking work, I'll probably die. But I can save a lot of people, so I'm gonna do it. And then he comes out like, what the fuck? I'm still alive? And with a medal? Nath Tencent, Medal for Bravery? Yeah, then, like, we get to the, the battle in, like, the mine, and he pulls the same shit. And then he, like, goes to hide somewhere, and, like, to save Will, and just, like, um, this is not a ship that's good for being a sniper, but that's what I'm gonna do. It's like, what? What happened here? Ronnie, you were gonna say something. Oh, uh, I don't remember what it was. I don't think it was very important. 
Fair. This is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like, it's and kind of like a good place to leave it is like, as as is befitting of the second movie in a trilogy, all of these characters have had development, and we haven't even talked about Kairos, who's apparently like a lobster, like or Chas, or Chas, who is six different kinds of fucked up right now. <laughs> Like, everybody's having this development, and we don't really know where any of them are going. But none of it seems unabashedly positive. Yeah, things don't seem great. Like, even Nath, who's, like, the most, like, objectively, quote-unquote, positive, it's so weird for him that we're like, okay, what's wrong? Yeah, for sure. It's like when your depressed friend is, like, so excited about something, and you're like, okay, (laughs) what's wrong here? It's me, I'm the depressed friend. Who are you attacking here? <laughs> himself. I'm attacking me. So the next time Chris is like, I'm ready to record right on time, we'll know. It's time to ask what's going on in life. I mean, you joke, but... <laughs> I, do, I don't. What? There's no lie there. <laughs> but yeah. All right. So I think that, that kind of brings us through. We obviously have a lot more to talk about with Chas and with Kairos and kind of just where we feel like the war and the series are going. And we haven't even talked about kind of keys and where Shadowing is going from here. Wait, can we real quick? Sure. He fucking meets Ray Sloan virtually. Mm-hmm. He lives in a space pandemic. Not really. But Ray Sloan showed up at the end of this book and it was amazing. And she was name dropped a couple times earlier when he was like talking shit. And I was mm-hmm. like, don't you talk shit. <laughs> but now I still am like, don't you talk shit. But like he had his little, you know, Zoom call. Yes. Yeah. No, it's that's that's for sure a big moment and I think that we'll definitely talk about that more next week, but it it shows her leadership and also where Keys is taking the squadron mm-hmm. in, you know, for for better or worse. Yeah. So that takes us to the end of episode 134. Thank you for listening. For our next episode, we're going to be wrapping up Shadowfall, and we're going to have two very special guests. We're going to have John Robinson at IV Wall, or Fourth Wall, and Justice, who you've previously heard on our very special Mandalorian episode about uh, trans rights in the trans community in Star Wars fandom. And, and she is, or she's at Fire Spray Proto. And we're so excited to have both of them uh, join us next week to talk about Shadowfall. So tune in for that. In the meantime, our next book after that is going to be Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston, the second, second air quotes, book in the Padme trilogy. Um, I say air quotes because it's it's technically a prequel to uh, Queen's Shadow because it, it takes place during uh, during episode one. So Burb's going Burb's gonna to eat well next book. Uh, in the meantime, hit us up on the social medias uh book wars pod on twitter and instagram book wars pod at gmail.com if you want to email us and of course we are always available on the toshi station radio patreon slack if you have the means donate to the organizations that we talked about at the top again that is among others advanced native political leadership and api equality northern california Um, we also will list those and several others in our episode description and if you want to support us after that you can always donate to the Tosh Station Radio Patreon to get access to the aforementioned Slack or give us coffee at ko-fi.com 
slash bookworspod. And when you do, although we've been doing this anyway, because everything is terrible and life sucks, we've been giving you pictures of Argos, Cerberus, Jasper, Orca, and Tony. Um, Argos in particular is going to need your help. Rana, is it this week? Do you want to plug? Uh, it was supposed to be today, but they uh, they didn't post it, so I messaged them like, yo, what the fuck? No, I didn't say that because I wanted to win. But it should be this week, so it should be hopefully tomorrow or the next day. Look out. Okay. Boy. So as you're listening to this, you better have voted for Argos. It may be Argos. too late. Yeah, like, I will find you. You think I'm joking. I'm not joking. Argos has a great sense of smell. He will find you. Yeah. So consider yourself, you know, post- Postemptively is not a word, but postemptively warm, warned. Don't give me that face, Burb. Our theme song I, I, is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. And our audio and production are done by Kristen McDonald. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Chris for Rana, Miranda, Kate, and Kristen. Uh, we will talk to you next week. I don't like you either. What a mood. Yeah, so I'm a white man, and this is generally how I lead conversations. Um, Yeah.